Continue in the second part of this message on time and seasons, so important for our lives. And as I said in the first session, that every one of us, God has allocated a time and God changes the seasons within our lives. And we've got to be like the sons of Issachar and able to do to be able to discern the times and to know what to do in those different times. So I'm hoping that this will be helpful for you. In that first session, I had to just explain to you that there's a time is really just the framework in which God gives us the opportunities to realize our potential and also to exploit and go through and fulfill all the um, opportunities he gives to us. So we pick up in the um, book of Ecclesiastes again, and I'm going to read to you just a few of the verses here. It says in chapter 3, Ecclesiastes uh, verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under, under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. We covered that last session. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. And it goes on and we'll have a look at some of the others in another session. But I want to pick up in the 11th verse and it says there, God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So there's always mystery attached to the times and seasons and all of creation and everything that God's doing. Even Christ, the mystery of Christ, the Bible speaks about. There's always mystery, but there are things that we can know and we need to know and we need to be able to discern. So let me pick up and tell you what I believe are some of the important factors that I feel like God's laid on my heart to share with you. And we're going to look at the time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to plant. There's a few things I want to say about planting before we look at uprooting. But can I just say that they're basically encompassed in two things here, time to plant. The first is to plant truth seeds. Truth seeds, S-E-E-D-S, by faith. And the second one is to plant churches. And both of them are absolutely essential for growth. And growth, to a large degree, and I'm hoping I can remember to say this towards the end of this message, our growth will also, growing, is a contingent upon our hearts being open to going. So we've got to go and do what God says, and we've got to go to where God sends us. So let's have a look at time to plant, to plant truth by uh, truth seeds by faith. First of all, truth seeds in your own heart, in your own life, to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to take the truth of the Word of God, as uh, the, the sower and the seed parables talk about, the seed being the Word of God, and the planter being Jesus Christ, and God, Jesus invites us to be co-laborers together with him by the Holy Spirit. He's made us that. we just got to cooperate with him and do what Paul did in building the church with him, his church that he's building, but he invites us to do it with him. 
And in order for that to happen in individuals' lives, and we want to address your own life first of all, my own life, we've got to plant truth seeds by faith in our own lives and through God's Word, with the help of the Holy Spirit, so that the seeds of the Word of God, the Logos, become Rhema. So when we approach the Word of God, we approach it with a heart that's expectant. We approach it with a heart that says, God, I need you to help me to take these truths and make them real in my life and for them to grow fruit. And so there's a few little factors that I believe are of importance for us to understand about planting truth seeds in our own hearts. It's not just reading the Word of God, while that's valuable, but we need to study the Word of God. This is part of how we plant truth seeds in our own lives, by studying God's Word, memorizing it, by being alone with God in our daily times, uh, whatever we call them, devotions or whatever you call them, uh, where we spend time with God and let Him, by His Spirit, take what we're reading and we say, God, with your help, I'm planting these seeds in my heart, the seeds of your promises, the seeds of your commands, and then to stand firm on his promises. That's the first little part of what's involved in planting seeds of truth in our own hearts. And then coupled with that is our, our, our obedience to God's precepts or God's commands. It's not enough just to hear God's word and for God to be able to speak into our hearts about it. We've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to obey that. I accept it. I receive it. And by your spirits, with your spirit's help, I'm going to obey it, do it, and walk in it. So I believe with all my heart, and I know that the church preaches against this today, but it's still true from the word of God. I believe with all my heart that as we obey God's word, because faith and obedience are almost the same thing. We, Bible faith always results in obedience. So I want to say this. We plant more seeds and the seeds grow stronger and the fruit and the plants grow by us opening. And when we obey God's word, we open ourselves to more revelation, more truth from God and more seed to be planted in our hearts when we obey God. So if we want to plant truth seeds in our hearts, we've got to obey God. And as we obey, I'm going to say it again, as we obey, God is able to reveal more to us and plant more seed in our hearts, more of his word, that it may take root and bear fruit. And then thirdly, we need also to be, in order for us to be planting truth seeds in our own hearts, we need to constantly water that, God's word. By the breath of his spirit, the river of God running through our lives, keep ourselves open to the help and aid of the Holy Spirit all the time, at every level, whenever we open the Word of God, we study the Word of God, we memorize the Word of God, we preach the Word of God, whatever it is, God needs to water it and breathe upon it. And even when people preach the Word of God, sometimes that is the watering. So I believe that while I'm talking about times and seasons, planting season planting season for our life, for my life, for your life, you planting those seeds, is an planting season is all of our lives. It never stops. We just keep on planting seeds. We don't have to wait for springs and summers, autism, winters. 
when it comes to planting the seed in our own lives. God wants us to do that all year round and never to stop. But then we need also to be planting the seed of truth, truth seeds in the hearts of other people through our witness, with our lives and with our lips, our testimonies. We need to pray for opportunities, uh, for fertile soil, that God would give us opportunities with hearts that are ready, soil that's prepared, soil that wants seed. And uh, if we're pastors in the church, if we're teachers and preachers, ministries of any sort, we need also to be teaching the people in our churches how to plant seed and what seed to plant. Uh, can I just try to explain that? Many people don't know how, even how to give a testimony. They, they highlight sin so often and rush over the conversion points when they're just giving their testimony. We need to glorify Jesus through our testimony. Yes, we have to touch part of our BC lives, but don't major on that and don't make that look so kind of delicious and appetizing uh, that people crave that and think they've been robbed. But more about Jesus and the change he's brought and scripture in that that helps them to see that God wants to do that for them. So how to, to plant seed, uh, seed in people's hearts and what to plant. Plant Bible truth, not your thoughts, not what you think they want, but what God's word says. And then moving on from truth seeds, we need to be planting, first of all, I said truth seeds, and we move to planting churches or being part of a church plant, making yourself ready and available, equipping yourself for a church plant, having a heart that's ready to grow, but a heart that's ready to go, because as I said, growing and going go hand in hand. If you won't go, you won't grow. If you truly grow, truly Bible grow, you will go. So prepare yourself for church plants. Make yourself available. Let, let church planters know you're available. I honestly believe that churches that will not plant churches, they stunt. They stint their growth. They, they just lock themselves in. They want big numbers because it looks like success. But man, God put it into my heart and I believe it's in the scriptures. The best way to disciple the nations is just to plant New Testament churches, just more and more and more. And as you plant out, people will come in, new people will come in and we'll just get more and more and more. We need leaders who are willing to make themselves available to go and plant churches, not to live in the security and the safety and the financial kind of rewards that a big church seems to offer. Now, there's nothing wrong with a big church, and I've, every church I've pastored has grown exponentially. So I'm not preaching against that, but I'm saying when you hold on to people, you just shrink yourselves less than you could be. So time is a framework that God has given to you and to me, to us and to churches, to plant other churches as well. So be planting churches from day one. Train people with a heart and a willingness. Let the, their minds and their hearts be renewed by the Word of God that they are, want to be part. They become excited about being part of a pl church plant. 
So can I just say, uh, quickly say this before I move on? To, uh, that basically we need to live, even with the timings of God and the seasons of God, to live with an understanding and an expectation that we only stay in certain places for certain amounts of time. In Acts chapter 17, which I quoted in the last message, God chose the exact time and the exact places where we should live. Paul, that great apostle, more than likely the greatest apostle that ever lived, Paul stayed in certain places for short times and other places for longer times, led by the Spirit of God. And we need to be, do the same and be the same. We need to know how long to remain in a place and when to move. I remember when I had to move from Bryanston, I loved the people, I loved the place, I loved the country. I was living in, in the fat of the land in a sense. And then God said, move. I didn't know what I was really going to. I didn't know what support I would have. But God said, move. And I just said, I've got this pilgrim heart that says, when God says, move, move. And when God says, move and we stay, we don't only mess our own lives up eventually, we mess the churches up. And they become less than they could have been. Um, Paul heard God in various ways. I'll just throw out a couple. He heard, he got a vision of a man calling him saying, come over here to Philippi, I think it was. There were other places that Paul wanted to go to and the Spirit hindered him, blocked away from him going like into Asia, Minor. Uh, he was encouraged by Barnabas to go to Antioch. And when he got to Antioch, he stayed there quite a while and quite often he would go out from there, come back, stay a while and go all over the place. We just need to know how long to stay and not overstay and when to go and never to go too soon by running away from problems or problem people or facing the truth about ourselves. So we need to set our hearts on pilgrimage. Read Psalm 84 for yourself again. Blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Read what it says about that there. Um, be ready to go wherever God tells you to go and fulfill the Great Commission, all nations. So moving on quickly. When, from that one, we, we, uh, planting, there's also, it says, and there's a time to uproot. Now, what are we talking about here? Well, there's a lot of things we could say, but I want to just stick with a few of the things that I feel God is putting on my heart for us. The one is, to uproot bad seeds. We want to plant good seeds, faith seeds, through our obedience, through faith, etc. But we also need to uproot bad seeds, seeds of untruth, unreality, hypocrisy, sin. Uh, we have to be radical about these seasons in our lives of uprooting. Sometimes we settle down and settle into things that have no biblical truth. We settle into things that others have told us that we, for a time, we believe them and they see they're not scriptural. And we've got to uproot these things. So be radical about when you're reading the Word of God, when you claiming the promises of God, see that that's what God's Word really is saying. And with you living in, in untruth of any sort, even your own perception of yourself, uproot it, pull it out. I'm going to touch this later again too, but even uproot that root of bitterness that defiles so many that the book of Hebrews talks about. But then also, we don't only have to uproot bad seed, 
bad plants that have come from bad seed, untruth, etc. But we also need to uproot some of our stakes. We've got to pull up stake, stakes, S-T-A-K-E-S's, and move on in life. Some of us have got stakes that are deeply embedded in our lives that we need to just move on from, pull them up, uproot them, and move on. Too many people are going around the same old mountains over and over and over again. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, read for yourself in verse 6 to 8, where God says to his leader, you've, you've gone around this mountain too many times. It's now break camp and move on. And that, uh, that that's, you know, just not uprooting those stakes, just robs us of so much that God has more for us, all of that God has for us. There's so much that God has for all of us. As I speak to you, I just feel in my heart that God is just saying, you don't know what God's got for you. So Paul puts it this way. He says in Philippians 3.13, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward that or what lies ahead. I press on. And that's preceded by verse 12 in Philippians chapter 3, and it says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. When Christ saved you, as I said in the last session, he had plans and purposes. He's got so much for you. He takes a hold of you to move you into. So press into it. Do like Paul says, forgetting what is behind the good and the bad, and moving on. And so there's some mountains that I just would touch for a moment, often do when I'm preaching uh, messages, especially to leaders, that they're mountains like unresolved hurts. There's still so many pastors. I meet them regularly. I speak to them sometimes on the phone, sometimes on the internet. Personal... Uh, face-to-face -face conversations, etc., they still have unresolved hurts and unresolved issues in their lives. They're carrying grief and bitterness, and some of them haven't even, uh, they've still got mountains like mountains of sin, hidden sin, secret sins. But we need to uproot them. And, and where they become stakes in our lives, we just have to say and out and we're moving on failure past failures past friendships no more naming no more nursing and rehearsing just moving on but folk it's got to be a radical uprooting every root of bitterness because bitterness grows up and causes trouble and defiles many according to Hebrews 12 15 so, uproot. And then we move on quickly. I hope these things are helpful. I, I, I know that you know them, but you know that we need to be reminded of them because sometimes we just learn to live with them and we somehow just they obscure themselves within us, hide themselves, and we just suffer. So, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. Moving on quickly to verse 3, it says, And there's a time to kill. And there's a time to heal. Now, I want to do this as quick as I can. A time to kill. The Bible teaches that we're not allowed to, to murder. 
Exodus 20.13 says, You shall not murder. And that's referring to intentional killing or knowingly killing for revenge, etc. But the verse we're looking at here says there's a time to kill. More than likely, it's talking about war, self-defense, or some of the, uh, I reckon it would include even law enforcement, that there are times when you're protecting that you have to unfortunately kill. Now, I don't want to go into that too much more because I don't believe that's what Solomon is really referring to, not the ethical, moral problem of murder, but simply stating that for some, the, uh, some people die through sicknesses that kill them and other reasons, and some people live and are healed. So there's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. Some of us are healed from diseases that do kill. Sicknesses, diseases, etc. Anyway, let me move on. But Scripture does command us to kill certain things in life. In Romans chapter 8, I want to read just a couple of verses. There are just two, I think, or two verses in Romans 8, if you turn in your Bibles with me to it. <clears throat> Romans 8. <clears throat> These are very important scriptures, so I don't want to just skip over them. I'm hoping you'll do some more study than I'm giving you here. But Romans 8, and it says this in, the, in uh, verse, verses, um, what do I want, 12 and 13. Paul says this, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Now, listen to what he's saying here. For if you live by, according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. Kill them. That's what it's saying. Kill the, body, the, 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 the misdeeds of the flesh. He also says in uh, Romans 6 verses, I want a really very important verses, Romans 6 verse 6. If you'll look at that with me now, he says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, Jesus, so that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now listen, in the same way, reckon or count yourself dead to sin. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your bodies as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your bodies. That's your eyes, your ears, your mind, your thinking, your mouth, what you speak, your hands, your feet, your heart, what you desire, where you go, what you do. He says, offer 
Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you have you are no, not under law, but under grace. And so it goes on, talks about putting death to so many different areas of those things that are wrong in our lives. Uh, I wish I had the time to uh, read some more. Romans chapter 8, verse, uh, verses 10 to 23. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Read these for yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 32. And, if you, and Galatians 3, 5. So there's a time to kill, to put to death. And then there's also a time to heal. For us, I believe, all healing, no matter for a believer, every believer, that whenever a believer is sick, they should trust God for their healing. No matter how he does it, our faith needs to be in Christ and Christ alone. Sometimes he may use things. Most of us, most of the time, we always want an instantaneous, supernatural, miraculous healing. And I believe we need to be trusting God for that. And so often he does, but sometimes he may use some other means. But our faith, never in the means, but in the man, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. So... Sometimes we get healed through by calling for the elders. As uh, uh, what is it? Uh, James chapter five verses fourteen and fifteen says, "Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders, and let them pray the prayer of faith, anointing with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal, etc." Sometimes just through the laying on of hands. And, and uh, is it Mark sixteen? He says, "They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." Um, you know, sometimes Jesus, when you look at the example of Jesus, sometimes he touched people and, they, and pulled them up or just touched them and they were healed. Sometimes he puts spits on his finger and touches their eyes. Sometimes he puts his hands in their ear, fingers in their ears. Sometimes he just speaks, commands. There's no formula to healing and so many people are trying to make formulas. But there is a time to heal. But do it God's way. Just speak, just do what God tells you to do. No formulas, but just directed by God. And when I look at the time, I have to say, well, we'll have to do the next ones in the next session. Again, I'm asking you, please, in Jesus' name, remember this. You've got an opportunity now. You don't know when it's going to end. Respond to God. Now's the time. Read it right. Cooperate with God and God bless you. Thank you, Father. I can commit these precious saints that are listening now, wherever they are in the world, to you, your word, the word of grace, the truth that sets free, blesses us. Help us to live with discerning of these times and knowing what to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Jesus.